I'm Eugenio Vargas, storyteller of Into the Motherlands, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Buy one ticket to the Loincloth Museum on Bargle Street today and get free entry for the whole year. Yes, you can visit the Loincloth Museum as often as you like and immerse yourself in the wonderful world of loincloths. Browse the many loincloth exhibits and marvel at the different shades and textures. It's a truly wonderful day out. A warning, do not touch the loincloths. They haven't been washed. Ever. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ. And with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, it is a complete pleasure to be here. Peter, could you introduce our guest? I can certainly try. With us this week, all the way from the US of A, we have David Lombardo, who you may know better from Twitter as at Turtle and... This week, here to talk to us about the very exciting Kickstarter, Not a Place of Honor. Dave, and thanks for having me here. Yeah, Awkward no Turtle is just the best, best Twitter uh-huh. handle ever. I love it. <laughs> I I thought it was very clever in high school when I first made my like a Reddit account 15 years ago, but uh, <laughs> oh, it's, it's uh, stuck with me since. Right, should we do some RPG news? Oh, that's oh, a yeah. good idea. We should do that, yeah. What's been happening, Russ? What's been happening? Not a lot. Oh. It's been a quiet week, but... Got all excited for nothing. Go on. There's a couple of bits. So, uh, the One Ring Kickstarter broke oh. a million. It's gone past a million dollars. I, 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 I apologise. Well. I apologise for our listeners who are like getting the sounds of me blowing air out of my mouth. But I mean, my days. And uh, it's still got like three weeks, no, two weeks, I think, left to go. Yeah. Yeah. One Ring is wow, seven hundred fifty thousand pounds. Yeah. Which is over 8.7 million kroner, and that's... Yeah, wow. it's about, it's about $1.1 million or something now, I think. That is ludicrous. Um, I know. I haven't I haven't backed it yet. I'm going to. So uh, it will be whatever that is, plus about another 60. Mm. That, that'll that mm. be the thing that pushes them over into yeah. true success. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's the pledge they're really hanging on for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they, they are currently outstripping the Seeker's Guide to Twisted Taverns, which yeah. is... Which is uh, six hundred twenty-four thousand pounds. Yeah, they were neck and five. They were neck and neck last week, but uh, the One Ring's pushed ahead now. Yeah, and they are eight hundred and seventy. Call it eight hundred seventy-three thousand dollars, uh, with fifteen days left to go. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> the thing with the One Ring is this is the not the five E edition, which they're going to mm. be doing later, mm. and I. Bet that one does even better. I, I, I suspect it will be doing, as they say in modern times, <laughs> stonks. Stonks. Doing stonks. Do gangbusters. Yeah, gangbusters. That's a good word. Oh, going like gangbusters. I've heard that for a while. Yeah. you got to hey, bring got... back all this old, old-timey old nonsense. Yeah, I think we should start talking like we're in the 1920s again. Yeah, I think... Well, I mean, it just makes sense, right? Oh, we're in the 2020s. Why, yo, daddy rats, I yeah. don't see any reason why we should why do anything <laughs> like that. But, um... <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a Kickstarter running right now, by the way. I just thought yeah. I'd quickly slip that in there while I could. 
Oh, I feel, I feel like all left out. I'm the only one who didn't have a Kickstarter going. Oh, well, you could start one, Peter, quickly. It would be very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my Kickstarter is for One Page Adventures for D&D 5th Edition. Yes, that looks exciting. And it launched on Tuesday. It's got a couple of weeks to go. Oh, you've got, what, 25 One Page Adventures in there, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah, all they like really, really colourful. They- Seems to be doing extremely well. I've been making these for like two years on Patreon. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time they're going to be compiled together into a like a soft cover booklet, I suppose. Not quite a book, it's twenty five pages, it's a booklet. It's a, I guess it's I guess it's a zine really, isn't it? It's kind of zine sized. Ish. It's it's about the size of a lot of the zines I see in, yeah, the, yeah. in but, the zine quest, so but it but it's softbound rather than paperback. I don't know. For me a zine's got to be a magazine, otherwise I'm Yeah, a I don't know. Well, follows those rules, so yeah, <laughs> I think you're I'm not, I'm I think not, you're in the clear. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna quibble over the definition of a zine. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, eight eight thousand or five hundred gold. Well, nice one. Yeah, I'm very, very, very happy with it. Yeah, it's, uh, of these qu- mini quick starters I do, so mm. this is the eighth one, I think. Yeah, you I think it's the eighth one. This is doing the best so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty exciting, actually. So, yeah. Nice. Right. Elsewhere in the news, we have some more casting for the Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yes. RPG. Have you seen Bridgerton? RPG movie, perhaps. Uh, movie, sorry. Yes. Not, not. Uh, well, that was until they adapt it back RPG. into an RPG. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they're, they're going to launch the, uh, the RPG of the film, which is. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll, they'll, they'll do it in Fate or Powered by the Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you couldn't do it in D&D, that obviously. Would be so oh, funny. No, you couldn't the cinematic nature, so. Uh, anyway, have you have you seen Bridgerton? Is uh, where I was going with this. I have not, but many people are very, very, very enthusiastic about it. So I, I have not either. But there's, there's a lot uh, of riding boots. So if you like men in riding boots, I hear this is a very good th- right, so we series. Have three people who have not seen a thing that are about to express opinions on it. Uh, oh, absolutely. well, just about. <laughs> we never let a- stop us before. Okay, there's a, an actor in it called um, Reggae Jean Page, uh-huh. and he plays apparently the Duke of Hastings in Bridgerton. Right. And Bridgerton, incidentally, is Netflix's biggest ever show, I'm told. Really? Nice. Uh, anyway, he has been cast in the, there, there was there was a reason I brought him up. I wasn't just like randomly talking about Bridgerton. <laughs> I, I think it's like Bridgerton, and you were going to get into it. <laughs> he has been cast in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh, very nice. In a, a lead role. Don't yeah. know what the lead role is. Well, I mean, they've got like a whole whole party to fill up, so we're looking for six, <laughs> seven people, and then we've got like uh, some major antagonists. So yeah. Well, um, we've got Chris Pine so yeah. far. Yep. We've got Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Justice I would Justice, say Justice Smith. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and now and now, now uh, Reggae Jean Page. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Ah, so um, I'll, I'll admit I haven't really been been following this closely. Um, it's not. A, it's it, not a lot to follow. To be honest, I was going to say, tiny... is, is it, do we know what sort of format it is yet? Like any anything no. at all? No, we know nothing. No, they're just noodling around and building up pipe. Yeah, at yeah. the moment. I mean, I, I'm guessing it's definitely going ahead now because it's been cast. Yeah, I guess. I guess at that stage, it's. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm not a Hollywood expert. I couldn't well, say. Uh, it, it's a it's a long and perilous process to producing um, like full length feature films. So I'm gonna wait till I see a trailer. And, uh, <laughs> May plenty, plenty of opportunities for things to fall apart. Still, oh, yeah. so many opportunities. Yeah. yeah. 
But they're, they're like, eh, well, pandemic, pandemic. Let's crack on. And I was like, okay, why not? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Uh, the, oh, the spy game. Do you remember when oh, we yes. um, nice talked about Yeah. Yes. So we talked about that on the podcast a year ago. Uh, I think it might have been yeah, twenty nineteen sometime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was um, it was released about a year ago, I think. But Modifius mm. has uh, just uh, just started doing distribution for it. Mm-hmm. So you can get it from uh, Modifius's website, and then presumably it's going to appear in hobby stores form April. Mm. Uh-huh. And this is powered by Fifth Edition. Yes. And it's basically international espionage, modern international espionage, so James Bond, uh-huh. powered by D&D Fifth Edition. James Bond, bit of Bond identity. I know, nothing very exciting going on there. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I haven't had a chance to run it yet um, or really look at it that much, basically, because my gaming plate has been quite full. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel that. Let's talk about PaizoCon online, shall we? Oh, yes, that's... When's that going on? Uh, so, Paizo have only just announced it. Um, it's Memorial Day weekend. I don't know when that is. When's when's Memorial Day weekend? We'll ask the American in I, the room. I should know this, but I'm <laughs> Googling it right now. <laughs> <laughs> when is it uh, roughly? We'll edit this of... part out, and I will confidently <laughs> say, uh, Monday, May 31st. <laughs> No, ah, right, okay. Okay. So, uh, so, so it's that weekend. Oh. So I assume it's the weekend just before then. Well, yes. that's basically it. Um, they've oh. announced PaizoCon <laughs> Online for Memorial Day weekend is, is oh. the use. So it's not taking place, um, alive again this year. Don't they have a teaser reasons. for the trailer for the announcement? No, they PaizoCon. just announced it, which is nice of them. Oh, just jumping straight in there with no warm up. Yeah. 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 No, they're playing on the marketing that. geniuses <laughs> of, uh, fifth edition. No, no, no week before saying we have a big announcement to make in a week. Nothing like that. They just announce it straight out. Or has our friends at Pinnacle Entertainment Group did with the, uh, Savage Pathfinder thing, uh, announcing that they had in fact made an announcement already in the past. Well, yes, they did that. <laughs> yeah. that that's a good move. Yeah, it's it's like I'm admiring this bold mix of marketing strategies that is coming to <laughs> the RPG world. I mean, I think there's a lot of development and innovation coming on. Yeah, I'm just thinking about this convention. Do you reckon we're going to get any in-person conventions this year? Do you think it's going to happen at all in the UK? No, in the in New Zealand, yeah, probably. They've yeah, got New Zealand festivals. Are fine. It's fine. Yeah, I, I was I we're saw this uh, video of the uh, New Zealand Prime Minister. And she was at a barbecue. Yeah. And at first I was like, what's she doing at a barbecue? Then I went, ah, oh, New Zealand. They did it all right. They can do that yeah, they, now. How they, yeah. how they fixed their problem. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah, very I, jealous. I mean, speaking fr- from the US, I'm confident in saying that there will be conventions. I'm also confident in saying that there probably shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I think well, I'm confident in saying that I will not go to anything if I've not been vaccinated. Yeah, oh. that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. Pretty much. yeah. Not a solid choice, really. Yeah. We're still waiting for vaccines to be delivered via crop duster, which I think is probably the next stage <laughs> in medical technology. That yeah, we're that's, not, that's not how vaccines work. <laughs> is, it, is this not, like plane travel thing people are always <laughs> talking about? Wouldn't that be awesome? It's like, yeah, basically, plane travel is dropping vaccines on everyone. And I, I'm, like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Vaccinate me. If, if you me. were going to forcibly mass, 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 mass vaccinate, <laughs> Masks, masks. What, what, what is this? You... The, 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 the entire population. Surely it's easier just to put it in the water supply. 
then right. get crop dusters. I suppose you could put it in like a, they do in some places which has low fluoride in order to improve people's teeth because yeah. like dental caries is no laughing matter. Uh, but yeah. Mm. Anyway. Oh, there was a, there was a quick preview of level up advanced fifth edition that went out yesterday. Yes. Yes. And I'm actually going to try to look at it now. Uh, yeah. It was another Ooh. look at the exploration pillar. Yes. And, uh, it looked at exploration challenges. And it looked at boons and discoveries, and it looked at monster signs. Yes. Hmm. Um, uh, just in case you know, David, Level Up is the uh, advanced 5th edition project, which uh, Russ has a team of people, uh, and I suppose myself working on. Essentially, there's mm-hmm. like, so some people have very firm views that 5th edition has uh, an exploration pillar, and I think it does <laughs> in theory, but like, there's actual work on the implementation. And there's yeah. things like the the monster manual is going to be a thing of beauty, possibly also a thing I, of terror. I think I, I yeah, say. I think I heard you talking about that in a in a recent mm. episode. Mm-hmm. Some of the some of the additional stuff that was being added. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was chatting with a friend of mine about it actually mm-hmm. afterwards. Oh, yeah. um, some something that I think that like it it sounds like something that you're doing here and and with the exploration stuff is like mm. a lot of the. I, I'll, I'll openly admit I'm not a huge fan of 5th edition, um, no, but a, a lot of the weaknesses I think that people find in it is mm. the, um, you can like kind of harvest stuff from older editions mm. and like, you know, with some work, shove it back in. So mm. having actual like exploration procedures, you mm. know, like things like, you know, I think you're talking about in the bestiary, it's, it's kind of a built in assumption now that not every monster is immediately going to eat you. There's sort of like mm. a reaction yeah. role. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I love to see that sort of stuff sort of being brought into the more modern side of D and D, which seems to have shifted more to just sort of like no. go fight a thing, rest, short rest, go fight another thing, short rest, and that's mm. you just string these together. Yeah, to, to so, use a sort of a slightly outmoded term, it's got there's definitely a a taste for simulationist behavior, <laughs> but mm-hmm. not so much in the this is how many rations you need to survive. Although I think that is going to be quite relevant at lower levels before you can basically overcome a lot of it with spells. Yeah. But more in the sense of, well, you know, these are creatures, they're living in a world. You don't you don't want to have to ask the question of how did this dinosaur get into this vault? <laughs> hmm. What has it so, been eating apart from people <laughs> like yeah. us that have wanted in here? <laughs> so one one of the fun things I quite like about what we're doing with the uh, uh the, the uh, mo- not monster manual, the uh, monstrous menagerie is um, each monster is also getting these tables of signs of its presence. So when you have, like, an encounter with a monster, it's not just like, okay, Mm. you've got an encounter with an owlbear, put down the map, there's the owlbear, there's the characters, roll initiative. Mm. Um, You you can start off slowly with, like, signs of its presence. And each monster's got, like, a table, like a D6 or a D8 or whatever. The Mm. the, um, DM can just, like, roll and just, like, hand out signs and just get this sort of sense of impending, you know. So people start getting a little bit nervous and there's a bit of Mm. anticipation and a bit of, oh, what's this? Oh, 100% on board with this sort of thing. Like, um, a long time ago when I first started GMing, um, I I wanted my players to be murdered by Barney the Dinosaur um, because... I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I still think that's pretty funny. And yeah, this is like 20 <laughs> years later. But, um, to, so like I got a Velociraptor, skinned it purple, but to like build up a bit of tension first, I didn't really intend to, but it's like, you, you could just hear like a little chirping coming from 
out of the out of the bushes and they're like mm-hmm. looking around. And actually, to be attacked by having what a, a giant dinosaur rush out and try and eat you, that was actually a relief. That was a break in the tension because it went from mm. being the unknown, we don't mm-hmm. know what this is, we don't yeah. know how to deal with it, to, okay, we're rolling initiative now. This is much more comfortable. <laughs> I've, got, I've got here signs of three different monsters. Oh. Why don't you try mm. and guess what they are from the signs? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, I like okay, that. so I've yeah. got three different ones here. The first one's a D6 table, so I'll just choose one. And let's yeah. go with uh, hundreds of skulls on spikes. That's your first first sign of the monster. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like some sort of a, a minor demon of corn, like a blood letter or something. Mm. Do, do, do hags collect skulls? Is that is that a... Mm. Maybe. Um, I, don't know. Is I it think hags like- tend to... Eat people, don't they? Yeah. Well, what do they do mm. with the skulls afterwards, though? Right. Well, I don't know. If <laughs> do they, they grind them up? Oh, uh, right. No, uh, yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. Five, five, five. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, pinch goblins, maybe. Hmm. So this one's a death knight. Oh. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So the next one is okay. Stone rats sitting in a circle. Oh, uh, got to be a what, what would be the Gorgon Medusa. Yeah, yeah, depending whether you're Greek or not. I don't remember what those are called. Yeah, yeah Medusa's like the lady, and um, yeah. Gorgon is the species that she belongs to, unless you're playing 5th edition D&D, where it's apparently some sort of mechanical ball. Okay, and the yeah. last one then, the last one. So this is quiet rumbling like a distant rockfall, mm. and the entrance of a rough earthen tunnel. Some sort of burrowing monster, it sounds like. Or Bash like a... Some sort of stone elemental, perhaps? Earth elemental? Uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm thinking that's like a bullet, or maybe even a giant it purple is. worm. It is a bullet. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Ah, land shark. Can't go wrong with getting <laughs> land shark. Because if you're wrong, and it's not a land shark, you're like, oh, thank goodness, I thought it was going to be attacked by a land shark. Well, there, are, there are things worse than land sharks. Are there? Are there really? The other, it's the other yeah. problem is that like if if I was a GM and when my player said, "Oh, is that a land shark?" It would become a land shark. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's better than whatever I have. <laughs> it is now. Yeah. Like, oh, stone! And that's what was I thinking? God, <laughs> no, uh, you're absolutely we, right. <laughs> would you would you would you tell them that you changed your mind, or would you? <laughs> I, I'd think about it. They, they'd probably pick up after about the third or fourth time I did it, so... Yeah, from, from, from the giggling from behind the screen. <laughs> <laughs> the maniacal cackling. I do think I... I think I just DM'd for you that one time, Russ. I don't know why you assume that all the, I giggle all the time. Anyway. <laughs> uh, right. We literally haven't talked about what I feel is the most exciting part. Oh, okay. Which is the, finding the different sort of, like, encounters that you get in the exploration. It's like going from labyrinthine ravines, like pit traps, going up through like green and horrible lakes, fairy rings, rope bridges, swinging blades. Uh, and then you've got like primordial tornadoes, spheres of annihilation. And then you hit tier four and you've got malfunctioning planar portals, corrupted druid dro- groves, killing clouds of flesh eating poison and god corpses. I gotta say, that is, that is exciting stuff. It's like, you know, um, 
I'm just like, yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't actually read or looked at the God Corpse, so I don't know what that actually I, is. In, I in, in, okay. Any God Corpse is generally, I'm just going to give a thumbs up to. I think that's. Yeah. You never not. It just whatever, whatever it is, it's going to be <laughs> yeah. awesome. It just sounds I, awesome, doesn't well, it? Well, I got to say, like You're that. Tier four, you demand, you demand something <laughs> terrifying, awesome, and almost incomprehensible. Because at yeah. that sort of level, power level, you're you're basically like minor gods. My my plus hit level eleven, and they're like, oh no, we're so scared of like this big pile of stuff. And I'm like, okay. Three rounds later, a room full of like ghouls and mummies has been destroyed, like with virtually no effort. Good, good to know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> having encounters like that is like you you need that because you need a reason to go exploring, and it's uh, to find weird stuff. So. Uh, like, why are we wandering through, you know, this desolate wilderness? Well, it's because there's weird stuff out there and we want to go poke oh. it with sticks. Like, that's, that's why yes. we're playing this game, right? I, I, I think there's, like, an unspoken agreement that, like, if you're playing Advanced Fifth Edition, you're not doing it in a 20-foot by 20-foot room against, like, three orcs. <laughs> uh, there'll at least be a table, maybe a chandelier. We just don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I think we have finished the week's RPG news. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just name. Anyway, anyway, shall we play our favourite game in all the world? The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. I hope you're paying attention to the title because that's also the rules recap. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't really sell that game, could I? Because <laughs> yeah, it's hard, like... hard to hard to convince people to to fork over money for <laughs> for a game with no what, content. What's, what's the rest of the rules? No, no, that's no, that's it, that's it, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What, what confused you? Yeah. There's a very complicated <laughs> scoring system included. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, copies of the spreadsheet, free. Yeah. free. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter, would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, I will definitely go first. Unless, okay, you, unless you want to, David, you do. No, please please go ahead. Okay, no worries. All right, Peter, are you ready? Hell yeah, hit me. Okay. What it is, mm-hmm. Thrones and Bones, Norengard. Wow. I don't know what that is, I guess I have a... I almost certainly don't have the bits I need for it, but I want to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just on the strip for them. Oh, I must have this. Wow, Thrones and Bones. Um, hmm. Well, let's see. Thrones and Bones make me think like some sort of Wraith King. Um, but the, is it is it a is it a colon Norengard? Yes. And yes. the second O in Norengard yeah. has a diagonal line through it, like oh. a sort of like a, a zero does sometimes. Oh, yes, like a like a five, like from. Um, so that's actually. So that tells me then that it's probably a um, game from the Nordic countries, like maybe Sweden or Norway or something like that. Um, so I guess then what we have is we have, uh, this is like uh, a splat book for a game set in the Norengard system or Norengard setting. And it's talking about the various kingdoms, which is the thrones part, and uh, underground vaults, catacombs and ossuaries which is the bones part, and I'm expecting there to be quite a strong, probably probably quite a strong Norse flavour, because that does seem to be the default. Um, and ooh, let's take a moment and say maybe it's a supplement for 5th edition. Hmm. 
I think you just scored a thousand points. Wow. It is, in fact, a Norse setting for D&D 5th edition. So there's there's a bit more to it than that. So this is by someone called Lou Anders, who's an author who wrote a trilogy of books called Thrones and Bones. Right. And this is the D&D 5th edition campaign setting of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, Mm. And it's a Norse-inspired land. It apparently mixes humour and horror. So it's not strict... Norse sort of um, yeah. stuff as, as, as you might imagine it. It's a bit it more to less than that. bleak Ragnarok is coming. Uh, the <laughs> age, the age of men is coming to an end. That sort of thing. Okay, that's, mm. that's nice. Yeah, Ragnarok is coming, but it's funny. Yeah. So Lou Anders, he's a Hugo-winning editor, a Chelsea-winning art director, and a critically claim- acclaimed author. And Ooh. he's been he's worked in magazines, television, film, book publishing. He's written for Star Wars. He's done RPG design for a whole bunch of different companies. So he's um yeah, so yeah. Uh humor That's- and horror in a Norse setting for DD for the edition. By an acclaimed author. Yeah. Well. I, I've got some uphill work to do here. <laughs> well, <laughs> we did. Bit, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because we, we were covering a, a Norse setting for 5th edition last week as well. Trudvang. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trudvang. <clears throat> quite, quite different. Um, yeah, very different to this, yeah. Significantly less Vikings, but so yes, uh, I suppose that did help. Anyway. Mm. Uh. All right then. So, David, your turn. You can do Excellent. it, David. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. So, this one is called... The Gaia Complex. Can you... Oh, Gaia. Okay, like G-A-I-A? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say this is a science fiction RPG supplement about the uh, post-apocalyptic trying to, like, terraform a new Earth. So it's like uh, the, the complex would be like the, you know space station orbiting some dead planet trying to bring it back to life but but things go horribly wrong so that's the that's the guess i would have made that's exactly with that name that's exactly what i would have said that's extremely wrong (laughs) (laughs) but i can totally see why you guessed that that's exactly what i would have said but what this is so um is it set in a hundred years from now okay and europe is ruled by an ai named gaia would and, not have guessed that. Oh, and okay. vampires have risen okay. up. Okay. And as a human, you have to navigate between the demands of the artificial intelligence, vampires, yeah. and other threats in a cyberpunk world. I mean, like, it sounds great. <laughs> not at all what I would have gotten from yeah. the name. Oh, that's yeah. exactly, I agree. I agree. That well, needs a subtitle. <laughs> I, I, it does have a subtitle. It does okay, have a subtitle. Okay. But one, one of the rules of this game is if there's a subtitle, I never... Because the subtitle always explains what the, uh, right. what the thing is. It would, would have been a little bit too yeah. ominous. So the subtitle is A Game of Flesh and Wires. To be fair, I still would not have gotten <laughs> No, no. It looks uh, gorgeous. Mean, I'm looking at the artwork. Yeah. Uh, we've got these sort of police robots and this really gorgeous, gorgeous cyberpunk sort of cartoon comic Ooh. book style artwork. It's lovely. That's fun. Uh, when's, yeah. that, uh, when's that Kickstarter ending? So that is going to end on March the 2nd. Which is yeah. what, two weeks. I just pulled it up. Some of that artwork is really interesting. Yeah, it's very nice. And what is one? how much would one pay for the PDF? Uh, for the PDF, you would pay £15. Pounds, okay. And for the hardcover, you'd pay £35. Mm, nice. Okay. 
Ah, it's made in Derby, UK. Interesting. Did I squeeze out any points for that? Um, well, you said post-apocalyptic, and that implies future. So I'll give you, I'll give you a point for that. Okay, that's Fine. you know, I give me a fighting chance. <laughs> yeah. Got to be it to work. Don't worry, it can, it can all turn around on, on a dime. <laughs> this, so. this, 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 this game is more swinging than fifth edition. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's mm. coming from someone who rolled a one, a one, and then a two on consecutive occasions. With all my re-rolls last night. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> okay, so Peter, are you Maybe ready? Maybe yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering. Come on, hit me. Okay, then. So, this one is... Yes. I was just about to read this one, and then the first sentence says, Peter Coffey of Morris's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk Podcast suggested I check this RPG out. So I guess I'm not <laughs> going to give you that one. <laughs> this is D36, The Strange RPGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not going to give you that one. No, I, I had like a really good one to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's no, got, that, that's a really cool looking project. Yeah, yeah, it's got, it's got a super OSR name, so yeah, that, okay. that one. Would actually well, instead, be easy. instead, we're going to go with Book of the Oracle. Ooh, interesting. Um, so that is quite a strong prophecy name. Um, I feel this might be. I'm hoping this would be an adventure. Um, and it would be support for some of the many, many Greek theme systems we've had come through in the past couple of years. Um, and it's a, um, maybe like a mystery based around a book of prophecies, which, um, an oracle, as in the Oracle at Delphi, uh, has compiled and which has since gone missing and is being, uh, used for nefarious purposes. Hmm. Mm. So I guess fifth edition Greek theme setting, and this is a this is a uh, storybook for it. Okay. Got. So this is interesting. So this expands mm. on, and uh, I picked this one because this also has the word Gaia in it. Battlefield oh. Press's Agents of Gaia series. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Uh, uh, it's for Savage Worlds, D&D 5e, and Pathfinder First Edition. It's a source Ooh. book, and it yes. takes you to, as you guess, Greece. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, to discover what the consequences of the ancient gods' actions are. Mm. So you're a, a government agent that can see beyond the veil. Huh. Oh, that is nice. Hmm. Yeah. Savage Worlds and Pathfinder as well as First Edition. Yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. so just covering all the bases. Yeah, and these are <laughs> yeah, and these are three. I think this is three different books rather than a oh, okay. a dual. I was stack, gonna say that, that's a lot of book. it's a lot of stat blocks to pack into. A <laughs> yeah, <book>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like yeah, that's no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but no. So this is it has uh, about three weeks to go, twenty mm-hmm. days to go. It hasn't funded yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got three weeks to go though, so let's hope it does. Yeah. Uh, and that is going to cost you fifteen pounds for one of the PDFs, uh, dollars. Sorry, not pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want the print-on-demand version, you're looking at thirty dollars. And that gives you oh, it's one of those where you get a coupon to print at cost, so it's thirty mm. plus something. Mm-hmm. But that does mean that you can get it posted and printed locally, uh, which could potentially be faster. Mm. Hmm. All right, so I'll give you one point for getting the Greek aspect and one point because you did say D&D for the edition and that is one of the systems. So two points there, Peter. You've got 1,002 points 
And David has how many? One. one. That has wiped right. out my comeback so far. Okay. One, <laughs> 1,001 points to go. Can we do this? You have to go be there. pretty go accurate to get 1,001 <laughs> yeah, points. Really nail this one. Or let's try just, this just go big or go home. So, so David, what going. is the One Ring role-playing game second edition? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I've got this. I'm, 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 there's an image forming in my brain. I think, in fact, I have a tab open with that exact game right now. Okay. Oh, dear me. Are we, are we just out of Kickstarters? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was, I was going to let him guess that, but we can go for another one if you like. No, I'll, I'll play fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, Xanadu. X-A-N-A-D-U. She's a bit harder. Yeah, that's oh gosh. But yeah. in, in my mind, um, so I'm just I'm just gonna go with what's in my brain. Is for mm-hmm. some reason I have this weird mental image of an old like '80s action movie with a floating a giant floating stone face that spits guns out of its mouth. Um, huh. th- I think this is an actual movie, so I'm just gonna assume that I've remembered the name properly. So it's a that's weird good, post-apocalyptic yeah. setting, <laughs> um, <laughs> in which. Uh, people are forced to fight for the pleasure of a strain of, of the people that have survived the post-apocalypse inside these strange floating stone heads, and they provide guns to the the uh, savage masses to fight each other for their entertainment. Hmm. Okay. I, I I I would have gone with Insanity. Did Kubla Khan build caverns measureless to man? And assumed it was some sort of Coleridge reference, but. I'm pretty excited about this 80s machine gun <laughs> spitting a giant head. That sounds also quite fun. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna Your take seems this seems more accurate. <laughs> so I'm gonna take nah. this in two parts. First of all, I'm gonna tell you I just googled Xanadu just to see what the first thing was, and it's a movie in 198. This and this is not what the Kickstarter is. Okay, um, I'm just saying it has a shared name with this thing. So a 1980 American musical fan uh, musical fantasy film. <laughs> and the Xanadu is a nightclub in the film. Ooh, it's got Olivia Newton-John. Huh. I, got, I got the era correct for the movie. That's, <laughs> anyway, that's not what the Kickstarter is, though. That's yeah, I, I, I did not. Um, so um, it's, uh, it's a setting for uh, the Emmy-nominated science fiction role-playing game um, Nibiru, oh. which I'm sure I pronounced inelegantly. Hmm. Uh, set in a mysterious space station, focused Ooh. around the themes of memory, nature, and artificiality, uh, and featuring a rich world vaguely inspired by ancient Mesopotamia. So I gotta wow. say, that sounds much better than my idea. <laughs> so, I'm glad I was wrong here. Well, I, I would have been nowhere close. I mean, that sounds pretty, pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Well, Xanadu's an expansion book for that, and it delves into the mm. vagabond experience as they make their way to Antumbra, the cradle of humanity, where monstrous city-states sprout within massive sphere-shaped vaults. Oh, I mean, that's, that's wild. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, uh, what, what was, was your guess again, David? So, t- to defend myself, um, <laughs> the movie I was thinking of is called Zardoz. Oh, that was the one with Sean Connery in the red yes. man oh, yeah, type yeah. thing. Yeah. The, the the red James Bond girl. Uh, yeah, whatever that is. Yes, basically. whatever that thing is, he's wearing. Yeah, nineteen seventy four. 
Yeah, I also okay. had the error wrong in that. So, you know. <laughs> I was wrong. I probably got negative points there. I was wrong well, also did... for the other thing. <laughs> that, 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 but 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 to be fair, you were gloriously wrong, which is <laughs> which, in my opinion, is almost as good as being uh, gloriously right. Yeah, so right. a yeah. lot of negative points. If if you if you insist, then Peter, then I'll give him one thousand and two points for being so gloriously wrong. No, which gives him one thousand and three to your one thousand and two, which I means I that we can safely declare David. This is winner of our favourite game in all the world. I think a very oh. fair and honest victory. <laughs> yes. so, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Right, so, Bob, is it? You're applying for the role of a dungeon maintenance technician. That's right, sir. I saw your advertisement at the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. And the salary for this job is... One groat. Is that weekly, sir? No, it's just one groat. More than fair, sir. And what makes you think you're suitable for the job? Well, sir, I've always liked dungeons. I should hope so, too. Wonderful places. I have three, you know. Oh, yes, I know, sir. The Lost Cavern of Evil Tide. If only I could find it. It's an evil tide, sir. Ah, right you are. And you have the infinite pit of haunting despair up in the mountains, sir. Yes, yes, it's lovely in the summer. And finally, my favourite, the terrible citadel of torment. Wonderfully inspiring, that one, sir. Why, thank you. So, what what is it you like most about dungeons? Ooh, I enjoy the dank smell. The treacherous footing, the deadly traps, and the wandering monsters, sir. Yes, yes, they are all highly desirable features. You are aware of the responsibilities of the role? Oh, yes, sir. Resetting and cleaning the gore off the traps. Yes, that's right. Feeding the albers and the gelatinous cube. That's correct. And what do you not do? Feed the albers to the gelatinous cube, sir. Ah, excellent. You seem to have a good handle on the responsibilities now. How are you with blood? Blood, sir? Yes, blood. Dungeons get covered in a lot of blood. Nothing a trusty mop and bucket won't clean up, sir. Good, good. And entrails? Lovely on the barbecue, sir. Bob, you're a man after my own heart. (laughs) If I had a heart. Uh, Very funny, sir. (laughs) Which I don't. (laughs) You don't, sir. Uh, have a heart. I'm a, I'm a lich, you see. <laughs> ah, yes, right you are, sir. Uh, it was a joke. Yes, sir. About how I'm an evil undead abomination, a thousand years old with withered flesh, cursed to live forever as an intelligent corpse, all too aware of my uh, eternal soulless existence. Oh, it's not that bad, sir. I wouldn't put you a year past 990. Ah, my remaining life force hanging on by the barest threads of necromancy, forever denied the pleasures of life, shunned forever by the living world. At least you've got your magic, sir. Indeed, for centuries of isolation have enabled me to master the darkest and most potent arts, gathering power and wealth while skulking in the most shadowy of shadowy corners. And you've got your free dungeon, sir. Three dungeons and all the power in the world, but nobody to share it with. Oh, woe is me. But, sir, 
Do do you want a hug? A little cuddle wouldn't go amiss. Ah, there, there, sir. It will be all right. It could be so much worse. <laughs> worse? What could be worse than this lonely existence, hated by all, constantly hunted by adventurers and heroes? Well, you could be a dungeon maintenance technician, sir. This podcast, Malarkey, is quite good fun. True. We do get to talk to interesting people. They are very interesting, and we've had all sorts. Big names, old and new. But how do we know who to talk to? Well, sometimes our patrons give us suggestions. What, so we try and get the people they want us to talk to on? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, and obviously they get the fullest version of the podcast. The fullest? They do? Yeah, yeah, in all the funny stories and random jokes and digressions. Really? People are missing out on those? Well, they're not news, are they? Oh, come on, but that's some of my favourite bits. How can you avoid missing out? Ah, uh, well, that's easy. Uh, so, just become a perfectly proper podcast patron. Perfectly proper podcast patron? What? How? Well, you head along to patreon.com slash morris and subscribe there. Oh, well, how much does that cost? $50 a month? You'd think. I mean, it's certainly worth $50 a month, but oh. uh, just a dollar. Is it? Mate, that's like 25 cents an episode. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Ah, patreon.com.morris. M-O-R-R-U-S. M-O-R-R-U-S. Cheers. I'll check that out. Oh, there was, I forgot to mention before we start, um, that I am yes. appearing on a podcast this weekend. At least it's being recorded on Sunday and goes out, I think, in, in the, in the following week. And it's called Bald and Bored. B-O-A-R-D. Bald, as in no hair, and right. bored, as in board games. Right. And it's a newish, this will be their fourth episode, board game podcast by a friend of mine. Is it a podcast aimed at middle-aged board gamers? Um, okay, well, they are middle-aged board gamers. I don't know if they're <laughs> aiming it at middle-aged board oh. gamers. Uh, and they wanted to so do cool. an RPG episode, so they, they've asked me to come on. So I will oh, be on it next week. Cool. So. Oh, excellent, mate. Yeah. You'll have to tell them the good word. Hmm. RPGs are awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm not that much of a board gamer, so hopefully they won't talk about board games too much. <laughs> on that board game fair. podcast <laughs> I can give you just a handful of vocab words to drop if you want to sound knowledgeable yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, just, just say you really like Settlers of Catan I'm, I'm sure they'll yeah I'll just say like that it. just mut- yeah. mutter something about Euros or Ameritrash and uh, yeah. they'll, mm, mm, you'll yeah. fit right in so anyway I will be on a board game podcast next week and you, you board game podcast. hopefully mainly talking about RPGs <laughs> <laughs> or embarrassing myself with my lack of knowledge about board games. Anyway, David has That's a Kickstarter. Yes. I do. Oh, which is it's pretty it's pretty cool. I think. Uh, I mean, I got to say, this is like one of the quickest quickest times I've ever backed a Kickstarter because as soon as I saw the name, I was like, I, I must own this. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's <laughs> it's it's um. So 
the the origin of this, which I'm sure you know, a lot of people will recognize already, is there's this this government document with a name that is far too long to remember or repeat on a podcast word. We're time. Oh, word. I would love that. <laughs> it's got too many words in it. Have um, you seen the title of this podcast? <laughs> That well, is exactly you, my my preferred Navy convention. <laughs> to be clear, I'm going to have I'm having to go look it up, and I'm writing a game based on it. Um, <laughs> expert judgment on markers to deter inadvertent human intrusion into the waste isolation pilot plant. Wow, is the name of this like 600 page document that you can find in various places online. Um, uh, I mean, if you'd called it that, Russ would be like thrusting money at you even as we speak. <laughs> I would have narrowed my audience to a very, very narrow niche. <laughs> yeah, but a narrow but very committed niche. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, um, it's, we digress. <laughs> uh, I, I, to be clear, I'm not the first person to be inspired in the RPG oh, scene well by yeah. this document by any means. Mm. Mm. Because it has these really, really striking visuals for mm. basically how would we build a location that 10,000 years from now still keeps people from digging a hole <laughs> to yeah, long, accidentally release nuclear waste. storage, yeah, that is pretty yeah, concept. It's a really interesting idea, and so mm. it's, it's the idea is like, if, if you, you know, if we totally drift away both language and culture, how do you communicate to that person? Don't mm. go in there. Um, yeah. it, it's bad for you. And yeah. the, the ideas they come up with are absolutely wild. Uh, mm. And the not a place of honor is from like a a little bit where they explain what is the message we are trying to communicate with this all this and carved in like six inch deep letters on like giant yeah. granite obelisks <laughs> yeah it's and it's it's one of the the core line there is like this place is not a place of honor because mm-hmm. they spend a whole lot of time talking about how a lot of the the big momentous things that have been built and this is also true in rpg supplements is they're usually tombs it's usually you're mm. burying something very valuable and important and something you want to protect yeah. So how and do that you... attracts grave robbers, for instance, right. the Great it's... Pyramids, mm-hmm. and any archaeologist ever. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it, the document even it, they talk about the Great Pyramid in it, mm-hmm. um, where they say we we can't do something like you know the Great Pyramids and a lot of those those tombs have warnings on them that say you know if if you break this seal, you Doom. will be cursed and killed. Doom, yeah. yeah. And um, it's and like, they say, oh, excellent. The good treasure's this way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and from a real life perspective, they say, well, you can't do that because as soon as it doesn't work once, it doesn't work forever. Mm-mm-mm. It just, you know, as soon as one person doesn't get killed by a curse, then everyone's like, oh, well, it's just lying. Yeah, but if you make yeah. it a long curse. <laughs> yeah. Your, your life will be vaguely uncomfortable for the next 30 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they've got, so they've got the 600 page document and it's full of wild, wild ideas like, um, cats that, like, local wildlife that's, uh, genetically engineered to like have a like a a blue green phosphorescence at night and so forth um or all, all the way from like putting big tank traps up there to just basically making the area around it so horrible and inhospitable that it's a literal bad line and people are like oh, I yeah could just, go there but why oh yeah there's it's why? you know you can't no build point. you can't even build the thing out of anything mm. useful you can't like no. make it useful building material people no. will come try to take it so mm-hmm. it's like like stonehenge um, like has four thousands of years had bits nicked from it. Yeah, <laughs> like the pyramids used to be covered in limestone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like great. Well, it's a big rock. I suppose we'll drag. The, yeah, it's like multi-ton rocks. The pyramids used to be covered in limestone, and people are like, 
Great oh, answer. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Love, I love limestone. <laughs> Were the pyramids um, yeah. originally brightly coloured as well? Isn't that the, a I know the, the cap uh, of it was totally gold-coated oh, right. originally. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't, don't think, think the whole was- thing was... That would be a lot of paint. I think they were just like really shiny white. Most things that we think of as being like pure marble and white were actually decorated in very garishly painted. Oh yeah, I know. I know, turns out. I know a lot of the Roman stuff was definitely quite yeah. Prominent. But essentially, old marble statues of of Romans and so forth weren't actually just marble. That was the canvas, and the paint has mm-hmm. since come off, or in some cases been removed. And and, and that's that's a civilization which we're vaguely aware of, and which we are in many respects inheritors of a lot of the culture of yeah and we know about that but we're talking like ten thousand years and that's right and it's like and even then an think, think about how time. much we don't understand about you know say roman mm. culture which was a couple thousand oh, yeah. years ago and took extensive records mm. and oh, yeah, we yeah. still find stuff and we say we have no idea what this is doing so mm. you know if the romans had nuclear waste would we understand their <laughs> their warnings yeah and it was sort uh, of no this we would dig it up and take it and put it in our museums. And I'd be like, oh, well, a lot of people seem to be getting sick. Eh, coincidence. It's got a <laughs> what is this tingling feeling I get every time I walk near the statue? So I was reading something. <laughs> we're, we're going wildly off topic here now, but I was, I was reading something about how we know quite a lot about what happened 2,000 years ago, because a lot of it was sort of recorded in mm-hmm. lasting ways, like inscribed on stone or wax tablets or, or stuff like that. Whereas... What we've got recorded these days tends to be mainly digital. Yeah. Which, which is permanent. sort of one solar flare away from being erased. So it could yeah. be in 10,000 years. People have no idea what our life was like because we're not, uh, we're not I, describing say, this on stone tablets. Yeah, yeah. L- long-term archiving is like a big challenge. But that's for mm. people thinking like a couple of hundred, maybe even a thousand years. We're talking like, what do you do when you've got something that needs to be kept right. for 10,000 years mm. before it stops being dangerous? Yeah. Right. So that's I'm like, the, physical books won't last, will they? And so part of this idea that this sort of like, you know, data durability is, huh. and, and this is all me stealing ideas out of this document, but it's basically, the, oh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. you know, complex data is the most useful, but yeah. is going to decay fastest because it's, it's you know, yeah. like high entropy, if you want to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Simple mm. data is easiest to store for a long time, but contains less information, mm. obviously. Mm. So mm. what you do is you split it into categories. Yeah. You both store the very complex and the very simple, and you hope that some part of it can last long enough. Mm. And there's also even very complex data is the most useful, but also is going to be the fastest thing that people will stop being able to understand. Yeah. Whether it's due to format or just language drift. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. So, you know, for, for each of these, these, you know, in, in my, I guess to actually talk about my, my module for a moment and not, not nuclear waste. Yeah. I mean, this is like a perfect segue because now you understand why I'm so excited because yeah. you can see all these possibilities mm-hmm. that immediately just say, Hey, this would be really good for a game. And what yeah, David exactly. is proposing is, like, what if these were magic items that were basically nuclear waste, or as dangerous as mm. nuclear waste? Yeah, what, like, what if you have something that's, <laughs> that's that level of danger, um, mm. and you can't, yeah. there's no way to destroy it, say. Like, the, the example I give no. in, in my thing is, like, what if you have the one ring, mm. but there's no Mount Doom? Mm. You know, mm. there's nothing to right, toss yeah. it into. It's like, well, you could, you know, you could bury it in the earth, but a thousand years from now, someone yeah. might just dig it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, so you take these ideas and 
basically you you split information about what this is and the dangers into these four levels of increasing complexity. So level one is literally mm. just pictures. It's a picture of like, hey, th- it's just a pictogram of this is it going wrong. <laughs> this is this is why you shouldn't mess with this. Level yeah. two mm. is just a direct message mm. in fairly simple language that says there's a dangerous thing in here. If you use it, you know, it'll blow up the world, etc. Yeah. I, I swear the actual writing is better than this. Like, yeah, just have like a little pictogram of like some Nazis looking into a Ark of the Covenant and having their face <laughs> misbelt. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's exactly <laughs> and then you know, level two for the Ark of the Covenant would be like, hey, there's a thing in here that will melt you if you look at it. Yeah. Hmm. Or, or my absolute favourite from my time in labs, which I'm sure you've probably seen many times of, do not look directly at big scary laser with remaining eye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, so I actually I am a um I, I work with lasers as my day job. <laughs> so I have Secondhand, thankfully, a number of horror stories mm-hmm. about lasers going wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that that's the sort of levels of you should probably have left this magical item alone. It would have been a really good <laughs> idea to. Uh, and your your proposal for your Kickstarter is, I think, to give us a a whole selection of terrible magic items which nobody <laughs> should touch under any circumstances. Yes, so you can put them in your game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm literally just trying to think how I would get rid of the wrong, the one ring if Mount Doom didn't exist. So, like you said, you bury mm, it. Yeah. I, I reckon drop it to the deepest part of the ocean is probably the oh, best mate, thing you, you could do. Have you never heard any any fairy stories in your life, mate? You do that five minutes later, a fish will have swallowed it, and it'll be <laughs> yeah. like coughed up onto the deck of a fisherman's boat. Right? That's like that's like it's not even like it'll just be like click, click, click. You know. Um, either that or you get it uh, wrapped around the tentacle of a kraken which grows to immense size and it's like it's got right, nine yeah, arms that's... of terror and yeah, it's I... invisible it's, yeah. it's, been, it's been ages Sauron the kraken squid that's, <laughs> See, that's that, a that's sort a of scenario movie, <laughs> I'm like I'm signed up for this game already let's play <laughs> uh, it's been ages since I read Lord of the Rings but it's literally you could launch it into space but <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I thought they br- brought that yeah. up, and someone was like, "No, there's things down there that will pick it up." But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, d- I don't remember that, but that, that is definitely I, I, I may be making that up, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, if you launch it into space, some aliens bound to run across it and pick yeah. it up. Yeah, like you um, know, ma- in a sci-fi setting, you'd be like, chuck it into the sun, probably. Mm-hmm. But but what if it's something know. so dangerous that that would be really bad for your son? <laughs> That's the other. Yeah. Not, well, what if the sun goes invisible? Because it's wearing the ring. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be bad news, right? <laughs> also, it's quite hard throwing yeah. things into the sun because of solar wind. But yeah, we 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 we've talked about that on different podcasts. So we probably don't need to re- recap those arguments here. <laughs> um, yeah. Invisible. What's invisible sun? What's that? That's a role playing game. Ringing a bell. It's quite it's a role playing game. Yes. Yes. It's the uh, uh, Monty Cook Games one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back back on yeah. topic. We are we are we're not very good at staying on target uh, today. Well, I, I don't know. We, we we need to talk around it bit to explain why I am so excited about this Kickstarter because of all the possibilities that come from it. So mm-hmm. you know, no pressure, David. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. As you mentioned, it's it's currently planned. There are mm-hmm. there's six items in here, mm-hmm. um, each of which is pretty directly inspired by either something from like a book or a movie or a bit of history that I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Some of them are like the, are the classic, you mm. know, super dangerous magic artifacts from from novels and it's just what if there wasn't a way to kill this? Mm. How do you know, what what's the 
some ancient civilization 7,000 years ago decided to, hey, they we just need to put this in the ground and hope no one digs it up. Yeah. And let's put these warning systems around it explaining why why you shouldn't. And, and we've, we've established that that's an immense length of time. I mean, like yeah, a couple of hundred years ago, there were there was a salt pepper, a pepper shaker, and a third condiment on every British household's table, and nobody knows what that third condiment is now. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's so and that, it, that's like virtually yesterday. People mm. from the 18th century would like are virtually wearing the same clothes as us. You know, I mean, they're super recent. Yeah, it's it's very hard to make things last that long. Is, is sort of the, mm. the core problem. And that's part of the, the other thing that inspired this was like, you know, I, and I'm not the only one that saw these pictures and was mm. like, oh man, a, you know, this would make an awesome dungeon or, you know, yeah. wandering adventurers would see that and absolutely just walk in immediately. Mm. And I just have this mental image of what, what if you're playing, you know, your classic party of fantasy adventurers, you delve into some sealed tomb mm. and there's no, there's no traps, there's mm. no monsters. Instead, there are just locked doors, and each one has a sign on it that says, please, we beg you, don't go in here. Mm. <laughs> would anyone Sorry. listen? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> w- would any adventuring party turn around when they see that? Probably no, not, exactly. but maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it does depend. Uh, I was reading in Knucklebone magazine, somebody was, I can't remember the name, I'll have to check later, but somebody was writing about uh, how they were running games, and they were running some for uh, Native Americans, mm. and when they were in a tomb, rather than doing what was expected by the game designer, which was pillaging and grabbing mm-hmm. the loot, they were actually, oh, actually, no, this is like a, this is a sacred place and we should treat it accordingly. So it's possible. But, yeah, you know, I guess it, it's, I, I'm coming from a, you know, extremely yeah. white sort of background, cultural background here and just the basic assumption of RPGs. And that's, yeah, so that's true. I, I, I shouldn't speak outside of my own experience, but that is, I think it either takes a very, you know, special kind of role player or someone with a different set of assumptions to kind of just see a no we shouldn't mess with people's grave goods um it is is a trope of dnd yeah that's that's a big part of it also is is it's it's always you kill things and you take their stuff going into dark holes and finding treasure yeah Yeah. uh, it's it's been going on for a long time i mean the uh, first emperor of china famously hid their grave super well so it was discovered over two thousand years later Big and that and this this was not a small complex because yeah like you're aware of the terracotta warriors yeah I was gonna say that's one of the ones where there's like literal armies down there right yeah Mm. except we're aware of one army there are another three yeah so like there's all all the pictures you've seen Mm. that is just one section one cohort (laughs) of the army that you know uh, the 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 first emperor Chin uh, came up with so. And like I say, that was hidden for over 2,000 years pretty successfully. Yeah, that's, I mean... So, yeah. That, I'm honestly a great accomplishment of just keeping that intact for that long. Yeah. And also uh, building and something that like, didn't just uh, fall apart. Yeah. And Genghis Khan's tomb was supposed to have had, like, a thousand horses trampled all over where it was supposed to be. So, again, literally to this day, nobody knows where it is. Siberia. <laughs> mm. well, Siberia is a big place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that's pretty good point. Yeah, it's in Siberia. No, yeah. just Siberia. That's all you need. If, to it, know. If, it, if it was in England, someone would have found it straight away because just tripped over it. Just tripped over it. But no, in Siberia, that is big and empty. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We say that, but places like Sutton Hoo were relatively recent. No, yeah. true, true. So there, there is still space for things to be hidden. Um, but yeah, so you're you're like working on, uh, and I believe it's handouts as well. 
Yeah, so it's the the document itself is intended to be like mm. most sort of player facing. Like you could just hand it to the players because there's no it's an in-universe thing. There's no explicit stats yeah. or anything along those lines. I'm hoping if if we hit uh two thousand dollars, which I I you know relatively confident that we will. I'm hoping that what I'll be able to do is basically take those layers of information mm-hmm. and turn them into printer friendly mm-hmm. handouts so the mm. GM can say, "Oh, you come across, you know, this obelisk with mm. this drawing on it." And they just hand it across mm. the table to you. Yeah. And then you just have this pictogram. Now it's up to you to sort of decipher mm-hmm. what what is this warning against. And then maybe you progress a little further in and you find the level 2 information and they hand across mm. a handout that has, you know, that translated mm. message and it's mm. you can you can actually experience the levels in their increasing sort of complexity and, and, and detail yeah. as you're going into it so when, when you're using this in an rpg so mm. this is system agnostic mm. isn't it mm. uh, yeah how, how do you sort of envisage it actually being used by by gms as they mm. run an rpg so to be honest so this this is one of those things where um i do think that you have to be pretty careful about putting this sort of thing into your game um, mm-hmm. none of the items have stats, and mm. it that's not just because they're system agnostic, it's because they, they're powerful or unique to the point where they're sort of going to sidestep the rules of the game you're in. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if your players decide to ignore all the warnings, break in, and get their hands on one of these things, your campaign is probably now about this item. Yeah. Right. Because it's yeah. just, it's something that's so fundamentally, like, dangerous or powerful that it's going to dramatically change whatever sort of game you have going on. So you do have to sort yeah. of know that going in. But I um, think this is really good because currently the way people end their campaigns when they're like, I want to end my campaign, I don't really know what to do, is they had the deck of many things and now uh, they also yeah. have to scroll of Tarask summoning. Not the same as the scroll of Tarask binding, which is a different <laughs> item. You don't want to get those mixed up. <laughs> Well, you want, you want both, really, is the point, yeah. but um, alas, <laughs> do not summon what you cannot find. So this is like, well, yeah, this 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 is mm. either the end of the campaign, which was pretty exciting, or a way to set up a new campaign in the light of the terrible thing that's happened since you yeah. did this item. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be some sort of transition point. The way I sort of see this being integrated is... You could run a campaign that is centered around this series of things. Like, I, I'm, je- there's a, like a fictional mm. organization in the universe, like that, my fantasy mm. version of the SCP Foundation, um, called Bane. Mm-hmm. But you could play agents of that organization and you get sent out to ensure that these things are, like, to stop people from messing with the sites, to, to keep things locked down as much as possible, or to, like, recapture and re, mm. recontain things if, if anything gets out. Mm. Um, the way I expect to use it myself is in a sort of sandbox, almost like, maybe like hex crawl sort of campaign. You would place these out in the most inhospitable, out of the way areas, mm. and then just sort of plant rumors into the more populated parts of the map of their existence. So the players might spend a lot of time hearing, like, "Oh, you know, there's ancient stories of some powerful, dangerous thing way out in the wilderness." And then it's, okay, oh, yeah. do we mm. want to go on a trek to go see what's out there? Um, and then you might, you you know, mm. you, as you get closer, you see these strange obelisks, you know, threatening things on the horizon. And it's, yeah, so that, that's the sort yeah, of thing that I see. Yeah. I, I feel that's a very OSR vibe that you've got built in there. Yes. It's the, it's an immense struggle. It's a Herculean effort. Just the journey to get to where you're going 
And then when you get there, and like, you know, after, like, you've basically gone from the Shire to Mount Doom uh, with about as much fun as it was doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For your characters, obviously. Um, like, obviously the game is a lot more fun. And then when you get there, it's like you're, you're uncovering something and it's like it, you're just like, oh no, why did we do this? This was terrible. Yeah, idea. <laughs> and that, that's very OSR. That, that really captures the vibe for me. I don't oh know, yeah, that- and it's, it's <laughs> maybe that's malicious of me, but I just I love the idea of like a month long campaign trekking across this area, and then you reach the destination. And all the players are like, oh, we shouldn't touch this, right? <laughs> just I think I just find that really funny. I love that idea. But every group has a player that will anyway, oh, yeah. so I'm, it makes no difference. It's I, I say that I'm doing this <laughs> to, to say test that it. Russ. <laughs> I say I'm doing this to test oh, the idea, yeah. but I'm I'm confident every single group will have at least one person that's like, ah, but what if we did that? Yeah. It's that it's that one player that's always gonna use the deck of many things. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. someone's someone's gotta roll the dice. Uh, if yeah. you pick from a deck of many things one time, you're probably going to want to pick again. And it's like basically it boils down to well I guess I lick the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different take on the attack of the darkness. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like it really cha- captures into that very old school vibe of you get to the tomb of horrors. There's an obvious demon mouth that you have to throw yourself into, but it contains a sphere of annihilation. Um, but you know, we're, we're, we're more build up, and like potentially it could be a lot more fun because. I assume that there may be other people who want to have extracted the mm-hmm. awful, terrible essence of arcane evil, but even want to use it to for their own gains. I mean, um, I mm-hmm. think Glenn Cook in The Silver Spike, which is part of the Black Company series, wrote about something like that, which was, I can't say that was, yeah, that was very cool. That, that's a re- that's a good um, that, that's that's a good point of comparison. Honestly, is the honestly the the whole Black Company thing mm. is that like oh there's an ancient evil buried there please don't touch it like <laughs> mm. we've set up armed guards to keep you out oh god cat guys can, can you stop can you yeah, stop we- digging it up <laughs> seriously <laughs> it's like we've got written records of how terrible this was please oh god yeah we've we no, put really so much really work into, into burying this <laughs> I know. um and that's i think that's a really good you know that's the other way to use it in a campaign is you set it up <laughs> as there's somebody that wants to dig this up Mm. And that sets up its own sort of dynamics in the world is, you know, there, there's a faction that wants to go discover these things, dig them up and, and try to harness them for their own, their own end. There's maybe another faction trying to stop it. The players maybe have the opportunity to get work from either faction, align themselves with one or, you know, as it were, it, it's they're all sort of if you place in your world, it's just a big catalyst for some big things to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a lot of things can spiral out from it, depending on you know how you sort of set up your campaign. Mm. So this uh, these six magical artifacts, mm. I, I noticed that the Kickstarter page doesn't actually tell us what those six artifacts are. Uh, so I, I assume you're sort of saving that as a, as a kind of surprise for the. Do you I, share I've any of them? The, I've, I've revealed the names of all six in the. I, I did a update. But I should probably put it on the actual page. I'm very bad at kick, running Kickstarters, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you you can tell that by the fact that I have three different identical tiers because I kept having typos and you can't edit them once you, <laughs> once you launch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I've revealed the names of all six. Uh, okay. Which is mm-hmm. um, the one that, that the spread is on there is called the Flowering Knife, which you can read what mm. that does in the spread. Mm-hmm. If, if you can look at the isometric drawing of it and squint enough. Yeah. Um, there's, 
Number two is the intrusive mark. Number three is the howling seal. Number four is the malevolent ring, which you can probably guess the <laughs> inspiration for that one. Number five is the knowing sword, and number six is the eternal master. Ooh. So I haven't necessarily revealed what these things do, but if you, you with some educated guesses, you can probably get pretty close to, to most of them. So are all six inspired by something, or yeah, these all of these are are directly pulled from something. Yeah, it's, yeah. In my dream world, if this does well enough, I would love to be able to do like a series of these where, you know, it's here's, you know, a series of more artifacts. Maybe not all of them are game ending. Maybe they're just that sounds like that sounds like, that sounds like a Patreon in the offing. One a month, an artifact a month. I, I mean, look, that'd be really cool. Um, uh, if I can find <laughs> the time I, I, I to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But um, certainly also, I've got to say, the price is very reasonable. It's uh, 12 US dollars, which is, what, about nine quid? And then it's a, is it a coupon to... No, uh, that's, that's the, that'll be a mix and zine that's just printed and shipped. The shipping is not included, Mm -hmm. and that will Mm -hmm. vary wildly depending on where you are in the world, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I have learned that international shipping is a... Terrible nightmare, <laughs> especially at the moment as well. Oh, yeah. I've uh, on my my Kickstarter, I've limited it just to uh, UK, mm. uh, Europe, uh, US, and Canada because they're the only ones yeah. I can accurately predict really what the shipping is going to cost. And it makes it does make some people quite upset that I'm not mm. shipping to Australia or whatever. But it's just yeah. like the, it, it, the shipping at the moment is costing more than the cost of the thing, and oh, it's yeah, so that's... variable from week to week. It's mm. And I've, I've included shipping to the whole world um, mm. through Exalted Funeral, actually. Mm. But sort of with the caveat of, I don't know how much this is going to cost. It'll probably be a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I I don't blame anyone for not wanting to purchase it out of that area. But yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to mitigate the cost where I can with... Um, I'm working with, like, Mon- Monkey's Paw Games in Canada. Um, and uh, Melsonia Arts Council is going to be doing the shipping for uh, the UK. Mm. Yes, which, which uh, made the whole thing about 15-odd pounds. Three pound fifty shipping plus nine pounds. No, yeah, that's, pounds yeah. Actually. yeah. And that's actually. I'm like, actually, that sounds like quite a good deal to me. So, mm. uh, I do love the cool. kind of scrapbook style presentation. Mm. I I really really like that. So I, I mentioned, yeah, I, this is partly inspired by uh, the the field guide to Hot Springs Island. If you're familiar mm-hmm. with that, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's like an in universe artifact, and I, mm. I love that feel of of uh, something that's that exists in both the real and fictional world. And so that scrapbook kind of feeling lets you kind of achieve that same thing, maybe mm. with a slightly lower budget than making a nice, you know, leather-bound <laughs> hardback book. Um, it also <laughs> lets me, I'll admit, I, I'm I'm fairly new to doing layout in RPGs. So <laughs> I find it a lot easier to emulate a real thing with layout than it is to just sort of make mm. good layout, which maybe sounds yeah. backwards, but... Mm. Um, so I, I'm literally taking like real things, scanning them in on a scanner, and then doing a bunch of post-processing editing to make it, you know, give it the different textures and to put the text on it, and things like that. So it's I, I'm making almost like a real scrapbook. Honestly, some stuff that I'm harvesting out of like science labs, and <laughs> old weird scientific documents from like 30 years ago, strange printings of like spectra on literal scrolls. And, that I, gonna, I, I think I have a awesome, but man. I just realized this is an audio medium, well, so no one would be able to see it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's, it's working. If that's your first or early attempt as a layout, it looks amazing. It looks oh. like something I would expect a, a, a long-term professional layout designer to have come up I, with. And I do have a lot of help, to to be clear. I, I The artist I'm working with, him, Emmanuel Mello, mm. he's, he's, uh, he's doing the... the CBR PNK game, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's... He is a layout whiz, mm. so he's giving me pointers along the way. He's, he's doing the excellent artwork, first of all, but there's also, like, I'll send him something, and then he'll he'll just sort of send back, hey, there's a much easier way to do this, just FYI, and I'm like, mm. oh, that is, that is a lot easier. It's <laughs> 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 a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's been very helpful um certainly but there's a lot of just trial and error of spending a bunch of time scanning something and doing a bunch of work and then looking mm. at it and going oh that looks terrible that's mm. uh, time to yeah. scrap this and start over all part of the creative process mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah so the kickstarter is doing really well mm. i see you got yeah, a couple more uh artifacts as stretch goals there which uh, looks like looks just looking at it i think you're going to get those for sure yeah, I mean, you've got doubled, not quite doubled your goal yet, but working on it. Yeah, close, close to. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm a little surprised by how well it's doing. Um, I, the, most of the things that seem to be do really well in in Zine Quest, mm-hmm. if you're not a big name, are kind mm-hmm. of standalone games, mm-hmm. um, and or things for very established systems. Yeah. Um, so doing a weird niche like system agnostic pseudo adventure i was like i don't know how many people are gonna necessarily be into this but it seems to have struck a chord uh Mm. thankfully well i think i think a lot of that sort of thing if you're not if if it's system agnostic or you're not a big name or you don't have some kind of hook to already bring people in on i think presentation is really important and i I, Mm. going back to that layout that you've got there and that scrapbook Mm. effect it just Mm. looks really nice and i think that's that is a strong hook that catches the attention and then when you've you know, when you've delved yeah. into it a little more, then you... And I, I was frantically finishing that, like, the day before the Kickstarter went live, because I was like, I, I need something to show yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really exciting, and um, i got to say, this this is, like, really ticking a lot of boxes for me. It's it's a, it's very affordable. It looks like it's going to be really nice, and um, I don't know. When, when do you reckon it'll be done by? <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't even remember what timeline I put on my Kickstarter. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'm hoping... On, I have a really weird workflow um, mm-hmm. in that I tend to do a ton of work in a very short frame, but I tend to have gaps between when I have those like bursts of productivity. Partly that's same. just due to yeah. my schedule with my, my real job. I'm just like that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I am hopeful that uh, depending on if the extra artifacts get added, mm-hmm. that I'll at least have a, a full complete draft in mm-hmm. less than a month mm-hmm. because I'd, I'd really just sort of like to get this knocked out of the way i, I don't want to let mm-hmm. this keep lingering you know for mm-hmm. months and months and months and also yeah. there's fun things like it, if i'd ship before i think july i get to avoid like new vat problems right so there, there's some less less the less time it takes the less time there's weird things with shipping to go wrong mm-hmm. so I'm, yeah. I'm, i would like to get this wrapped up as fast as possible yeah yeah, well, uh, just be I'm, careful. I'm, Don't get too carried away with the stretch goals, then, because that's the undoing of many small kickstarters. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's why I I originally had sort of more grandiose ideas, and I, I made an update, yeah. and then someone commented on it was like, "Hey, part of the reason that I backed this is because it was so simple. There's you know, there's yeah. two two pledges. It seems like it's yeah. a small scale, easy to accomplish thing. Yeah. And I was like, that's a great point. Like mm. that's yeah. honestly that's. I, I, sh- I shouldn't let myself get scope creeped 
They, they, <laughs> if I yeah. have more ideas, I can make something else later. Yeah. But I yeah. should yeah. finish this now. Yeah. And once people have seen it, they'll be like, oh, okay. And that gives you like another, yeah. Keep, keep it, keep your project within defined mm-hmm. goals. I'm really yeah. looking forward to you hitting the 2000 goal, which I think you'll easily do. And the, like the, the, the ready to give out handouts because. Yeah. Like, my time is precious to me. I, I want to spend my time entertaining people when I'm gaming. Mm. I don't want to be prepping stuff like handouts. I'd rather say, aha, here's a handout. Mm. It's very exciting. I, I love, w- one of my favorite things in products that I buy is player facing anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If someone gives yeah. me a map with all the labels stripped off, I, uh, I, I'm in love already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. Yes. Then I don't have to spend a bunch of time in like Photoshop or something editing out secret doors. Yeah. God, and it's not yeah. when you're playing. And someone hands you something like that. Yeah. And especially if oh, it's, it's just fun. Especially if it's physical yeah. in person as well, as opposed to digital, rather mm. than a file. If they well, actually hand yeah. you uh, an oldish-looking map or a, or a letter mm. or mm. or something you've got to decode in some way. or, or Yeah, that, that tactile of like, oh, I've yeah. got a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, so I, love, good. I love that. Really good for often games where you've got like different uh, abilities of people. Because some people have been playing RPGs mm. for like nigh on 40 years and other people have just discovered this thing called D&D, and it's pretty... Yeah. Guys, they're pretty excited about it. <laughs> and I've been all of these people. Uh, well, not not the 40-year play yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, but, like, it's, like, catering to everyone and, like, giving people who are super invested or, like, really skilled something to really get their teeth into is... A godsend. Do you know, I, I uh, had a gaming group once and I gave them the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> Not in that Not- group anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you averted your eyes. <laughs> I left the room. <laughs> I'll be back in 10 minutes. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not putting they? down tarps for any reason. No, <laughs> no. All this plastic sheeting, don't, don't you worry about that. It's fine. I'm just going to redecorate. <laughs> oh, I think we need yes. to wind up. Yeah, but but thank you so much for coming on, David. As I say, really appreciate you coming on at such short notice as well. And as I say, I'm really excited about this Kickstarter. I'm so pleased it's doing so well. Hmm. Me, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm as surprised as anyone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been, it's been a great time. Really, really fun fun chat. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week, we've got a special guest. We have got Jonathan Tweet, uh, who you may know as one of the, or the lead, lead design of D&D 3rd Edition. He made mm. Ars Magica 13th Age and mm. has currently got a Kickstarter for the second edition of Everway. Everway takes me And back. he'll be on next week to talk about all of those things. Although probably mainly other way, but also some of those other things. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. 
Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. But was the Velociraptor <laughs> a Jurassic Park Velociraptor, or was it actually a small chicken size? Well, well, as is actually a running joke for my games, they've morphed from Jurassic Park-style Velociraptors to these small murder chickens, but I still keep the stats for the big one. Right. So, Just very aggressive murder chickens. <laughs> well, well it, it's like, apparently, dinosaurs have gone from like being big to quite small and feathery. I'm like, yeah, right, it's... It appears to be small, feathery, and purple. It's got... Mm. Is that teeth in its beak? I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. well... We'll see what happens. And then, okay, it rolls to attack. Oh, my God, my arm! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 